welcome back to Unscripted. I'm your host, Lindsay Amory. This week, I was able to reconnect with an expert that I've been fortunate enough to work with in the past. Patty Keenly is the Director of Accreditation and Medication Safety for Cardinal Health Innovative Delivery Solutions. Patty is recognized as an expert on medication safety, hazardous drugs, and compounding practices. She is a member on the United States Pharmacopeia Compounding Expert Committee. Patty has received numerous awards in her career, including the ISMP Lifetime Achievement Award and the ASHP John W. Webb Lecture Award. The most recent award that was just announced is that Patty is the recipient of the 2022 ASHP Harvey A.K. Whitney Lecture Award, better known as the Whitney Award, which is the highest honor in health system pharmacy. She is so deserving of the award, and I look forward to her lecture when she receives it. Please enjoy Patty Keenly. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. I'm I'm well. I am doing well. Uh, the The weather has warmed here in the south, and and so I, I really can't complain. We do Orlando in the winter, so oh, uh, so smart. there's no snow for us, you know. <laughs> That's smart. Yeah. So you guys do like a six month and then six months. No, we we ju- we should, but we don't. We we come down here about three and a half months, so we're headed home the end of the month. Gotcha. But, <laughs> still, still probably better than uh, experiencing the harsh of the oh, winter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, I did want to say congratulations oh, on thank the you Whitney so much. Award, yeah. and uh, such a such an honor, but also so well deserving for you. Well, thank you. It's kind of overwhelming, but <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to ask you what you know. I, I know you've won, you know, the Webb Award and the ISMP Lifetime Achievement Award and all these wonderful awards. Was this one any different when you got the call in terms well, of feeling? I think. I mean, they've all been just you know spectacular and and really humbling. But you know, this is one that I've looked up to for for years. I mean, I think we've all read all those um, yeah. documents over the years and all the Whitney people who have really led pharmacy forward. So, it, I mean, it's just really an amazing thing. And I'm very humbled. <laughs> I, I, like you said, we, we all read all the, the lectures. And yeah. so I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to yours this year, um, but Thank I'm you. sure that's uh, overwhelming. But is there any like anxiety of writing it knowing of that <laughs> tons of people are going to read so it? I have, I have notes together, but I, you know, I just have to kind of get all my words coalesced in the right way because you know people are going to read this for for yeah. years and, and students and new practitioners and residents so I'll get it done <laughs> yeah it's one of those that I feel like you probably spend more time thinking about what you want to write than actually the process of writing exactly. I think once yeah. you get to that point the writing's probably fairly easy yeah well, I don't know if it's easy, but um, well true it's probably easier. easier than developing all the information that you need yeah right so I, I was going to ask you about just kind of how you got into medication safety and maybe where where does your interest start within med safety? I started thinking that I was going to be a community pharmacist. And when I wound up graduating, I couldn't get a position. You know, there were still issues of people not wanting to hire women at that point, which is really kind of scary. And thank God that's changed. Yeah. Um so I, I wound up in a hospital, never really thinking that that's where I was going to land for my entire career. And it certainly has been 
that's the situation. And my second day there, I clearly remember it, asking if I could go up on a nursing unit and see how nurses passed meds. And they all looked at me rather oddly, like, you know, why was this pharmacist crawling out of the basement <clears throat> to do this? But I really developed, I think, a really great relationship with nursing and depended on those folks to point me in the right direction as to what really was going to help patients. So I clearly thank the nurses of Mercy Hospital in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, for setting me on that path and making sure that all of us in the pharmacy from that point on knew what really kept patients safe. So that was the eye-opener to me. And it was at a time when pharmacy in hospitals was really first starting to emerge as a pretty significant and clear area in the hospital, not just those people down in the basement, you know? Right. So the combination of knowing what was going to keep patients safe and seeing the actual process of what happened in patient care was really what set me on that path of, of medication safety. It was also about the same time that uh, Neil Davis and Mike Cohen were putting together their their first information about you know the, the med errors and and potential things, all of those things that have become ISMP. So the timing was was very fortuitous, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, as part of Women's History Month, I think <laughs> hospital pharmacy is uh, thankful that you went into hospital practice. I, I didn't realize that it was because you really couldn't get into yeah. maybe what you actually wanted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm glad we come so far. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> Still a ways to go, for sure. But yeah. Um, at least we, we don't have as many of those issues anymore. Well, you know, getting into, uh, you kind of mentioned on the timing between ISMP coming on board. Did you kind of then gravitate toward getting involved in ISMP or getting involved in, in those aspects right away? I think back then in particular, there was a much more uh, sort of collegial atmosphere among people who worked at different facilities. and. Working in Pennsylvania, northeastern Pennsylvania, with a large, largely that's a Philadelphia medicine area, mm -hmm. the groups within the state, the Pennsylvania Society of then Hospital, now Health System Pharmacists, for example, really got together. You'd see what each other was doing. You'd go to each other's sites. That's generally where the meetings were. And, you know, I think that just sort of served as the conduit for getting everyone involved, making sure everybody was on that path and recognizing that it wasn't just the dispensing piece that we were dealing with or the emerging clinical issues that we were dealing with, but there was also a responsibility to keep patients safe. And that ISMP perspective, the Pennsylvania Society and the other state society perspectives, how ASHP all played into this, I, I think it was just an issue of the timing being right and being able to take off with that process. Yeah. Well, and getting to see other sites, I mean, I've benefited yeah. from that as a resident and just seeing other Absolutely. practices and, yeah. and realizing that there's a there's a hundred different ways to do the same thing and more like, well, why did you pick that and why exactly. does it work? Yeah. And, and that and you can 
always learn something from an area, even if it's something you don't want to do. Right. Uh, you'll see something that isn't correct or that wouldn't fit in your organization. But you really do get a lot of good ideas when you physically see what's, what other people are doing. Yeah. Well, and I think seeing it and then understanding all the back history, I think was mm-hmm. most helpful for me. And, you know, we went through a lot of the the back history and discussions, and then you get to go see it and you're like, sure. Oh, that makes a lot more sense than exactly. just you and I talking about it, which you know, I wish we could do a little bit more site visits uh, recently. We haven't yeah. done any, right. <laughs> and, right. Uh, we, we definitely, I think we still have that collegiality amongst everyone where, you know, it's very easy to pick up the phone and say, Hey, do you have, you know, 30 minutes to talk through with my team about this? And then, you know, if, if, Hey, we want more information, can we do a site visit? And pre COVID, I would say that was the standard. Absolutely. I mean, everybody yeah. would do. And I, there, there is some issue of competition among sites now that people may not feel as comfortable going to other areas, but it, you're, you're right. Just pick up the phone and call somebody or send them an email. And you, you look at the things on ASHP connect. I'm sure we all look at this every morning, you know, mm-hmm people asking those questions and the responses that are coming back or the the offers of help from others as well. Well, and being able to like, for me to see it and then ask questions. I know when we went live with IV workflow and, yeah. and that technology, we did a site visit to the, to the place that had it. And uh, we're, you know, the way that I was going to set it up in the hood was completely different than they, how they had it set up. And just asking them and seeing it and then trying to be like, okay, well, if we do it our way, I was like, I think we're going to have ergonomic issues the way that I was planning to set it up. And we completely changed our setup in the hood from that site visit and being just able to physically see it and be like, that makes more sense than what we're planning to do. But I don't think I would have done that had I not actually physically seen it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a great example of something that happened recently too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, you know, I'm just on sterile compounding. So, you know, you kind of went through, you're interested in med safety, you're within hospital practice. How did you get kind of involved in the sterile compounding aspects? Part of it was just being that it's one of the core components of pharmacy practice, of course. And right. again, that timing situation was so <laughs> fortuitous. In, in the mid-1970s, that's when people were first starting to think about putting together IV additive programs. I walked into a place that actually had one in existence. It had been started in November of 1974. It was probably one of the first ones in the country. And it included not just the routine IVs that we did back then, but that you know magic TPN that was just becoming, <laughs> yep. becoming an issue. So again, it, it was just this intersection of making sure what we were doing for the patient was correct. And that whole infection process, that the you know prevention of infection, mm-hmm. is obviously another core component that we have that really may not have been thought about early in those IV additive games. But and I call it the games. Um, <laughs> but it, it was something that became very obvious to me, at, particularly when we saw TPN patients. They were usually you know very ill at the time, and this may have been a last ditch effort. 
back in the beginning of that process, but you saw how the care of taking care of those issues and making sure that you were aware of infection prevention and control issues came in. So that, again, sort of just led everything to that sterile compounding piece. And I, I wound up with several hospitals in my system all of whom had developed at different levels in what they were doing from an IV additive program. So putting that together, you know, you, you mentioned about the IV workflow piece, but this was actually seeing three different hospitals that were suddenly part of one system that were doing things differently. Some were great ideas, some were, you know, perhaps a little bit risky. So to be able to identify that and put those in the right way and try to get the technology that you needed at the time, and put things together just was an interest to me. It was a combination of operational issues, administration issues, and clinical issues. All the puzzle pieces coming yeah. together <laughs> and working through them. So you, you get involved sort of early on in serial compounding um, as, as that's kind of forming. And then you've, you've been able to be highly involved with USP was that yep. kind of a, just a, a natural progression um, and or timing, like you say? Well, I've always been one to kind of speak my mind. <laughs> yeah. and, and suddenly, if you, I guess if you're loud enough and consistent enough and, and not too off the range, um, <laughs> maybe people, you know, will start to pay attention. So, you know, people say, well, gee, how did you get involved in the USP committees? there's only a limited number of slots to be on the expert committee. So I put my name in multiple times before I was able to be selected for one. The committee has been a fascinating experience. And another issue that comes out of that is the ability for others outside of that expert committee to have an influence on what the, the standards become. There are opportunities to listen in on the meetings. There are opportunities to provide comments. Every time there is a new or a revised USP chapter that goes out, there's always an opportunity for public comment. People didn't realize that in the past. That certainly changed when 797, when we've been working on the revision of that, and thousands of comments over the several public comment periods that have come in have come in from practitioners. That makes it a much better and a stronger chapter and much more applicable to practice. So the, the ability to participate in that has really been a fascinating experience. I'm sure it is on the, the other end. You know, I've certainly been on the comment side. Yeah. and. Uh, submitting things there. The, the one other thing you mentioned, though, is that that I always find interesting is that you submitted multiple times to to get on the committee, and mm-hmm. and I I think that's just for people listening. That's a a huge takeaway. I, I myself have submitted multiple times to be on you know different different groups, and and um, you know it doesn't always happen the first time no, around. No, and and I think even if you get that first time around it says, you know, thank you for submitting your application. You were not selected to keep staying involved, keep putting your name out there. And, you know, that you you never know when the time is is right, but it it could happen later on. Yeah. And it's not just USP. I mean, the same thing happens with ASHP, APHA, other organizations that we're in. There's Usually those kind of committees, there's just a limited number, but that doesn't mean that you don't have the ability to influence that in other ways and just right. kind of keep your name out. Keep your name at the forefront yeah. and, and then get involved in other ways. I think the other one is 
that sometimes I think people submit multiple times, but then if they don't get it, they don't really stay engaged in other avenues. And so you yeah. do kind of lose that name recognition because you're you're not necessarily at the forefront when the committee comes comes back together. And it's it's another issue of the networking that we have among pharmacists is just make sure people know you're interested in those kind of things because the opportunity will present at some point. Yeah, I've gotten, I think, more comfortable over time saying and being able to speak with my peers and my network and say, hey, I'm interested in this. Mm-hmm. And I would, this is kind of where I would like to be. Because I think sometimes the natural, I don't know if it's a pharmacist thing or if it's just like the profession that puts it on us, but you know, to to almost be quiet and sort of try to do great work in silence. And hopefully someone will see what we've done and reward us for all the time and effort that we're putting in. But they never actually say, hey, I'm interested in this. Yeah. And, and then you find out somebody's interested and, you know, there, there are other avenues that people I think can help you to get there. And, you know, it, it's not exactly what we've been talking about, but I was, I have the opportunity to go to a lot of different hospitals as as my position right now. And I was at one a couple of weeks ago where there's a pharmacy technician who's really the anesthesia technician who is providing amazing service and coordination among some of the areas that we always find difficult in health systems. And I said to the director, you know, you really need to promote this. You need to, you know, talk about this at an ASHP meeting. If you're not comfortable, you know, submitting for a platform presentation, there's pearls, there's management case studies, those kind of things come up. And it was just something that they hadn't thought of. And it's something that would benefit a large number of systems to be able to see how people are doing that and how how well it's being done. Yeah. I mean, putting out the work that you're doing, presentations or publishing, I mean, mm-hmm. that's always, I think, the, the one of the best avenues for people to see it. But I feel like a lot of times people are like, well, it takes a lot of time yeah. and or they haven't done it before. And that the process, I think, of publishing seems very daunting and very overwhelming when you haven't done it before. Exactly. Not to, not to say, you know, it doesn't, it, I mean, it takes a lot of time, let's be yeah. honest. But <laughs> I think once you, once you go through the process and once you do it, you're like, oh, it's not as daunting or overwhelming as I originally thought, but I, I do think that's somewhat a holdup. The pearls are a great, yeah. a great avenue, like you mentioned. Yeah. Kind of five minutes, get get your point out there, get get a little bit of that anxiety over with and and be done with it. Yeah. You know, I, I do think there are so many great practices that we don't hear about oftentimes. And and I, I do always, you know, as I look at, you know, whether it be like best practice awards or publications that come out. And I'm always just amazed at like the people being so innovative and what they're doing and closing a lot of the gaps that we have. And and then trying to think through, well, how do I do that in my practice? And, you know, you've got your own staff with your own innovative ideas, but I do think that there's probably just so much that goes on that we, we don't ever end up hearing about. And it's not just the large facilities and the academic centers. Um, I have the opportunity to go to, you know, critical access hospitals and long-term acute hospitals. And those segments of practice are so important because they're going to become much more prevalent as we move forward. So the way that things can be done there is vital to everyone. How technicians fit in our practice. You know, I don't think we can think of this as just pharmacists anymore. We need to think of this as a larger 
satisfaction of what we're providing in healthcare and the technicians and technologists. I would really prefer that we would get to that point where we can have you know specific issues and more highly trained and more advanced trained technicians that can really take that practice forward too. Well, you know, you've you've done so much from a your career standpoint. Is there anything else that you've got sort of on the horizon that you're uh, looking forward to to doing? <laughs> well, uh, retirement will be there at some point, <laughs> but but not yet. Um, and I, you know, I just want to make sure that what the the progress that has been made really continues. And I think we've all seen just an amazing cadre of new practitioners that are coming out who are asking questions, who want to make things better. You know, you need to keep that history in mind and identify where we've been, but the ability to really make inroads in in public health and then identifying where pharmacy fits in the picture, I think is essential. Absolutely. Well, it's great to see you. Same here. I definitely appreciate the time. And, and, and let's uh, hope we see each other in person soon, right? Oh, <laughs> absolutely. I, I hope so. At least at a minimum, at least one this year would be yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope to see you soon and hope you have a great week. Okay. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Unscripted Podcast. If you love it, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen to podcasts.